Good morning, everybody. Everybody's doing all right? Uh, yeah, your teams won yesterday. I was a little nervous. I thought some of y'all were going to be in a bad mood today. Happy, happy for your teams. It's going to be good tomorrow night, Fight Club, men. If you've never been out to Fight Club, you should come tomorrow night, at least for the food. Uh, Bradley sausage dogs, in case you were wondering. Just saying. Might want to get that heartburn medicine, but anyway. It's going to be good. Um, I want to share a message with you today. I don't know why. For some reason, I got nervous coming up here, and I've done this a thousand times. Um, before I jump in, I just want to say, um, man, Cynthia and I, we went to uh, the FAMU game last night because our son Judah is part of the coaching staff now with UWF, and so we had to go see him in his element, and uh, so we were driving home from there last night, and I didn't say this to Cynthia, but I just started thinking how much, how much we love this place, man, like seriously, like really love it here and, and love our church. And I don't know, maybe you need to hear that today, that we love you. Like, seriously, we love you. I'm not looking for, like, you know, make Pastor feel better. I'm just letting you know, we love you. And it's good to have our boy back in the house for the weekend. And so, um, anyway, glad you're here today, Judah, as well as our other children who are here, too. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's go to the Bible today. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 through 18. Some, um, some really intentional scripture that I want to share with you today. It says, since we believe that Christ died for all, watch this, we also believe. That's a good, that's a good line right there. We also believe that we have all died to our old self. Y'all remember that person? The old you? <laughs> some of y'all like, I'm still working on them. Still working on them. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Watch this. How differently we know him now. That's so strong. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Let's pray. Jesus we love you. Thank you for this day that we get to be here together with our church family in the building, even those watching online. Thank you that you have assembled these believers, these guests, because there is something you want to say. And Lord, I just pray over the next few moments that you will speak much louder than the person holding the mic, that you will speak to hearts. I pray today, Father, that you will make the difference in our lives. 
Every person that needs change, every person that needs healing, every person that needs the past to be done and a new beginning, I pray, Father, that you will do that for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, Cynthia and I, we were, we were the cool people in church. Um, seriously, we were, we were invited to everything. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm not fluffing this at all. Um, and Cynthia will tell you, maybe she was the cool one and I just tagging along. You know what I'm saying? I was just the arm candy and, and, and she was the one. And uh, so like all of the get togethers, yeah, we got invited to it. All of the little birthday parties. I mean, we were everywhere. And, and, you know, this is like when we were first married, even before that. I mean, we were just, we were there on the scene, had all the invites, and, uh, and that's really cool and really fun. And then, then one day something happened. Uh, one day we were announced as the youth pastors at our church. And all of a sudden the invites stopped. And we couldn't figure out what was going on because, you know, we were, we were the cool people, got invited to everything, and then now they name us the youth pastors, and we don't get invited so much anymore. And it felt a little awkward because it's kind of like, man, we already know you people. We know how you talk and all that stuff. But once there was an announcement, once there was a declaration that you're in a new position, a new role, it's like you're a new person now, everything changed. And, and can I just say this from a pastoral perspective, because people fear, can be fearful of pastors. I just want you to know that we don't have like any like eternal power to determine if you're going to heaven or if you're going to hell. Like we don't have that kind of power. And, and it's amazing how one of the things we notice is how people talked with us before and how they talked with us after that announcement. Before they used all the language and then afterwards, the language changed. Clean that up. Or, you know, excuse my French. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And it's almost like there was this threat that because we were named to this position that we could all of a sudden rain down fire upon your life if you weren't in alignment with all of the scripture and all of this stuff. But it was just, it, it, it was so, it was different for us. And I want to talk to you a little bit about being different. That's the title of this series we're kicking off today. And we're going we're gonna to talk about a few areas of life that should be different for us. Um, have you ever said this statement before, perhaps uh, on a birthday, or maybe on a wedding anniversary, or, or, or maybe at the start, if you're a student, at the start of a new school year, or maybe for your team, uh, you said something like this, like this, this year is going to be different. Y'all ever said that before? This year's going to be different. Uh, maybe, maybe you just started college and you said, this is going to be different. I'm not going to do college like I did high school. And now you're three weeks in. It's like, oh, God, some of that high school stuff is still creeping up on me. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or you said this. This year, this is it. It's a brand new anniversary for us. You know, we hit this many years. This year is going to be different. And then all of a sudden, one of those little issues popped up that always seemed to pop up. And even though you're telling yourself, don't do that, don't do that, don't say that, don't do that, don't say that, it just kind of, I mean, we're not the only ones. We can't be. Where it just slides out, you know what I'm saying? And then afterwards, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Because uh, you know it's going to be the possibility of hearing, oh, I thought it was going to be different. 
Come on, am I right? <laughs> or, or, or this is the worst when you're a kid and you're a student and you're telling mom and dad, I'm going to buckle down this year and it's going to be different. And then they ask you the first test grade and you tell them, well, it was like a 73. And they're like, oh, so much for this year being different. Am I right? I mean, come on, y'all. You know, we've been there before. It's, it's, it's amazing how inspired we get for different, but how hard it is to make different really happen. You know what I'm saying? Um, there are times at home where we'll, we'll just kind of ask, what y'all want to eat? And that's like a trap question, by the way. You're going to go through this in a little bit when you leave from church, what y'all want to eat today? And, and this is what happens to us. I don't know if this happens to y'all. It's never suggestions of what they do want. It's suggestions of what they don't want. Oh, I don't want a hamburger. And the other one was like, oh, I thought we can go to Five Guys and get a burger. Well, I don't want that. And it just starts this cycle. And, and, and then there's the moment where as a family, I'm just kind of being transparent how it happens for us. There's that moment where you get it right. And I'm just talking about with the food part. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like no one really knew what they wanted, but you chose somewhere. And then after you went, everyone was like, that was so good. And then they'll, they'll say something like this. It was good, but it was like, it was different. So it was good because it was, it was different. I love when that happens because it's like ultimate peace. Everybody's satisfied. Everybody is, is fulfilled. And I've heard, I've heard people say this about their life. Uh, things like this. I don't know really what I want to do, but I just know I want something different. Um, I've heard people say that about their marriage. I don't, I don't know what to do. I just know something needs to be different. Come on. Are, are we getting there? Or, or with the job. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I just want something different. I've heard parents say that about their kids. I don't know how to do this parent thing, but I just know for my kids, I want it to be different. Maybe you want it different than the way it was for you growing up. Maybe you want it different than other kids, but, but I got a feeling that there's people in a place right now and you don't know what you want. You're not sure what you're going to do, but you do have something on the inside that says, I want something different. And it's not that some things are bad. It's just you know that there's something good that might be missing. There's something good that you need. And you know that the path that you've been on isn't accomplishing that, isn't leading to that. And it creates this frustration because we put a few miles on ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Trying to go the right path, trying to do the right things. And that mileage starts to add up. And at some point it's like, you can't just keep going this way. I need something different. That's the inspiration for this series because I think there's a lot of people who want to be different. Now, let's talk about this for a moment because some people want to be different because they want to stand out. I remember having a conversation years ago when we were youth pastors. Um, there was this young lady who changed her look. And um, in, in the early 2000s, the, 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 the fashion style got really interesting. I don't know if y'all remember. <laughs> Um, and, and this one particular girl, she, she, one day she shows up for, for youth group and she's wearing like all black, heavy eye, black eye makeup. You know what I'm saying? It's just really heavy. She's wearing black all the way, got the chains and everything. And she's wearing some Chuck Taylors. Y'all remember the Chucks? Some of y'all still got some, some of our students are still wearing Chucks. And so I was just trying to have conversation with her and acknowledge, Hey, pretty cool. You know, I don't know what you're going for here, but pretty cool. 
And, and, and so I asked her this question, hey, what kind of inspired this? And this is what she said. She said, I just want to be different. I said, oh, okay. Because all the other girls in the youth group looked like that. Seriously. They, they all were wearing the little chucks. They all had the little skinny tight jeans with the black shirts and the black eye makeup and all that. Some of y'all, you were there. You were rocking it in, in 2002, you know, 1999, 2002. You were doing it. Some of y'all are like, I want to go back. <laughs> Let's not, okay? But in her mind, because it was different than what she had done before, she was saying, I'm different. But even though she was different, she was still, in so many ways, the same. Yeah. Kind of wonder sometimes in our walk with God, where we're saying we're different, in some ways there is a difference, but in so many ways we're still the same. Sometimes the motivation of being different is to stand out, but most people want something different because they're tired of falling down. Come on, let's, let's bring this home today. And I really believe that people want different because normal isn't working. Like, let's, let's go for it, okay? Like, being overwhelmed is normal now. And that's just not working. We want something different. Being rushed, stressed out, being broke. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, you got a dollar. <laughs> Ask your other neighbor, can I borrow it? <laughs> Judah's up here like, Mama, I need some money. <laughs> it's normal. Relationship issues, it's normal. Troubled marriages, living without direction, holding grudges has just become normal now. So normal. Listen, I'm a firm believer that a lot of people are doing this online shopping at Walmart just so they don't have to face their grudge in the store. Ah, welcome to Emerge Church. <laughs> it's normal. Um. Living with guilt and shame or regret from past, regret from bad decisions. It's just the norm of what so many people are living with. And I think people are saying, I want something different than that. And some of the tactics that we're using for different aren't always good. Because sometimes in order to achieve different we sometimes destroy what was good. Um, also, as much as we want different, I think there's a reason why we get stuck with the same. I think there's some good reasons. We've bought into this idea of changing everything around us. Um, maybe changing people around us. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we have this idea if I can change everything around us, then it's going to be different. But even though we'll change all these things, in so many ways, we're still the same. We'll move to a different city, thinking that if I go somewhere else, it's a fresh start. But really, that's a fresh start at a new place, but it's still the same you. Um, take a different job. Get a different friend. Go to a different church. Maybe even get a different spouse. Too heavy? No, 
too soon? Or, or, or is this the reality of where people are that are saying, can't keep going like this. I need something different in my life. And all of those things, you can change and make it different, but it's still the same you. And chances are there's people in your life that love you so much, they don't know how to tell you that, but they really want to tell you, hey, even though you moved there, it's still you. And even though y'all go buy a new house and you're going to live happily ever after because you finally got the house of your dreams, there's still nightmares about how y'all are treating each other. And sometimes people just got enough respect that they don't want to say that, but that is some truth. And I think this is why people know we need something different. All the outside stuff changes, but on the inside, still stressing out. Think about that. Still same habits, still the same grudges. Moved to a different city and got grudges towards new people now because at some point we'll realize it wasn't the people, it was what was in our hearts. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't the city, it was what was in our hearts. But we keep saying, I hate it living there. I hated that house. I hated this. I hated that. And we can go on and on down the list when it probably wasn't even that. It was this. And I, I know, man, it's hard for somebody just to come up to you and say, hey, look, at some point, you got to realize it's you. And so a lot of you have been trying to tell your friends that because you love them, but you didn't want to end the friendship. And so I'm just letting you know that chances are the bad stuff that keeps cycling in your life isn't because of all the people around you and all the situations. It's probably you. Now, at this point, you think I'm about to tell you, look at your neighbor and tell them it's probably you. <laughs> But I want you to look at him and tell him it's probably me. <laughs> you thought you were going to play the blame game today, didn't you? Love you too much. Um, y'all remember those makeover shows? Y'all remember that whole stretch of makeover shows? They were making over everything. I mean, they, I mean, they would bring the ladies on and do makeovers on them. Then they brought the guys on, did makeovers on them. And then they started doing with houses. And then they started doing with automobiles. I mean, anything that could be made over, they were making it over. Remember those shows? And I mean, they just kept making them. And we kept watching them. I don't know why. Turn it off. But we kept watching those shows, man. Makeover show after makeover show. And, and, and what's interesting is they would do like, they would take this lady and they would give her new hair. They would give her new makeup and give her a new outfit. And then she would say something like this. This is going to change my life. And I'll be honest, I was one of those people that would watch that show, and I would just say, well, what you going to wear tomorrow? <laughs> and who's going to fix your hair tomorrow? Because you can't do that. We saw the before pictures. You cannot do that. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all were with me on that stuff? You know what I'm saying? And then you watch the, the, the home shows where they're making over the houses. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm just too much of a problem solver. All I can think is, who's paying for that? I know Lowe's and Home Depot sponsoring the show, but they ain't paying for all of that. Like, are oh, we going to come in and redo the whole entire house? And having a little bit background with contractors, I know that costs a lot of money. And all I can think is, who's going to pay for that? And we saw what your house looked like before. Really, all y'all needed to do was clean up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to get your kids and clean this place up and get a vacuum cleaner. Because that place is a mess. And teach your dog to go outside to use the bathroom. I mean, just something else, man. But man, we got like just hooked by these makeovers. And I think, I think 
it kind of created a belief system that if you can change a bunch of stuff externally, then it was going to change who you are. And it doesn't. It feels good, but it doesn't really change you. I think it's because we settle for makeover when really we need to be made new. That's really what we need, but we don't know how to do that because we're so external thinking. If I can change this and I can change that, problems in the house. Okay, everybody needs to change. Well, it could be you that needs to change. And I know that sounds a little forceful, but at some point we've got to quit playing the blame game. Like if you've had multiple relationships where there is unforgiveness and there is brokenness and you keep thinking people do this to me all the time, there is a common denominator there. And I say that respectfully because we're all just one, just one comment away from that continually happening in our lives. You know what I'm saying? And at some point, we got to look at that and say, wait a minute, what if it's me? What if it's me that needs to change? And so what we tend to do is this. We, 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 we keep telling ourselves, I'm going to try again, and I'm going to try over and over. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to start something different. I'm going to go somewhere different. And, and, and it's always, I'm going to try something. I'm going to try something. Let me try this. Let me try that. Let me try this. Let me try that. And it's just this, the, whatever your name is, makeover edition. Makeover edition. Just put your name and then put makeover edition right after that. But Jesus, in the middle of all of that, is offering to make you new. And we read it, 2 Corinthians 5.14, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. We don't even know what we're reading there because of the way that we think of this. We think new life has begun. That means everyone's going to be nicer to me now. Everyone's going to get off of my nerves. That last one that I had, they're going to get off of it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I don't even know what the last nerve is, but I do know I would like it if people would get off of it, right? So I want to share a couple of things today about different. The first thing I want to share with you is this. Number one, Jesus was different. Jesus was different. And everyone described Jesus as a teacher, a religious teacher. Or as a prophet. That was the common knowledge about who Jesus was because that's what they were familiar with. They were familiar with prophets from the Old Testament. They were familiar with these different teachers of the religious law, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. They were, they were, they were so familiar with that. So when Jesus shows up, even though he is Savior and Son of God, they are so conditioned to see anything that looks like that according to what they have always experienced. And so when Jesus shows up on the scene and isn't falling into their routines and their traditions and the way they handle things, and Jesus comes offering forgiveness instead of condemnation, and Jesus starts talking about heaven, and Jesus starts talking about healing, and Jesus starts performing miracles and changing people's lives, and people are getting happy because Jesus is on the scene, the traditional way of doing things got a little upset and got a little angry, 
And it's almost like the traditional way of doing it was like, we prefer people being angry. We prefer people being bitter. We prefer people being scared and overwhelmed and stressed out and fearful that they're doing everything wrong and it's going to be so consequential. And how dare you, Jesus, show up telling people, hey, if you repent, you can have heaven. How dare you do that to people? So you know what they did? They killed him. Think of that. As awesome as Jesus is and everything he comes to promise, it was such a threat to the tradition, to the old ways of belief and all of this system that was created. Not just, listen, I know you say, well, God gave Moses the law. I know it's not what God gave. It's what people did with what God gave. And so they create this system to where no one is good enough. No one can get in except for a few elites that were lording it over people that they were religious and knew everything and you know nothing so you can't have this so go sacrifice another animal and maybe you'll be considered worthy and God's like I got enough I love these people Amen. so he sends the best and he sends Jesus and Jesus shows up on the scene and he is different he shows up on the scene with grace and truth the authority of God in the truth, but the compassion of God in his grace. His message was simple. It was repent. And this is what he was saying. Let me break it down for you. Live different. That's what he was saying. When he comes with this message of repentance, he was saying, live different. Live different than the way that you've been living. Think different. Believe different than what you've been believing. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it was almost as though he didn't want you to miss it. Whereas what they had been experiencing with all of this religious law, it was more of, if you don't get it right, we ain't going to let you get it. Like, think of that. And so God is like, we've got to do something different. And so Jesus shows up and he brings different on the scene. See, they were stuck in this cycle. It's the same old cycle of trying to be good, but always falling short. And I know that in this room, there are people that are on that same cycle of trying to be good, and then you miss the mark. Watch this. And so you fall, and when you fall, it's not that anyone has to come and point it out. You're already doing it. Where you begin to tell yourself, look at you fail again. You keep saying you're changed, but you keep doing the same things over and over and over. Come on, am I talking to anybody in here? And I just look at the scripture and I see Jesus showing up to bring change, to do it different. Because he knows if we stay in that cycle, that's as far as we go. And what's scary is there are some people that got really good at that cycle got really, really good at that cycle. And on the outside, they make it look so good. Sounds like social media. It looks so good. But when you really get to meet them, it's like, man, you're not as good as your page. You know what I'm saying? You make it sound like life is roses. It's rough. So what did Jesus come and do? He came and broke the same old cycle and making a way for us to stand and walk in righteousness. See, I was different because the way they were using religious law, 
and even scripture, it wasn't to include people in what God was doing. They were using it to exclude people. Think about that. What kind of people are these? Am I right? Wouldn't we want to open the door and try to bring people in instead of closing it to keep people out? And this is the problem with religion. And I know I've been hitting on this a little while, but we've got to see that this is a stronghold that has just permeated through our entire lives. And it filters into so much. And what does it do? It just props up image, 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 image. And we're such in this rat race of trying to prove that the image is legit when we don't even believe the image that we project. We don't even believe it. And yet we want other people to believe it. And why is that? Because we're overwhelmed with normal and the norm just isn't working and it's frustrating. And we're all sitting there saying, where is it going to be different? And so the pastor stands up and says, Jesus was different. And so many people say, well, I know all about Jesus and I do the Jesus thing, but so much of my life is still the same. That's because we have a version of Jesus. Come on, we have a version of Jesus that we have created to fit the cycle that we have rode in so very long. Isn't it something how when you're going through some things in your life, how you try to take Jesus and make him fit in it? When Jesus wants to take you out and fit in with what he's got. Like, think of this. It's like, no, Jesus, we can't do joy. I'm going through a lot of mess right now. No laughter right now. Crying. You need to come and cry with me. And Jesus is like, hey, why don't we just help you to not cry anymore and so you can laugh? Amen? Amen? That's different. Listen, there were people earlier, we're clapping around in here in church. They're like, mm-mm, mm-mm, don't do that in church. Don't do that. No, 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 no. Then they had the ball game and their kid's doing something great. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's my kid. Get up and cheer. Let's go. Am I right? Woo, let's go. Okay. Just saying Jesus was different, but he wasn't weird. Sinners loved being around Jesus. Can I say that again? Sinners loved being around Jesus. It's amazing how Jesus wasn't a threat to the sinners. He was a promise. But to the religious, Jesus is a threat. You know why? Because he sees through. Go read through scripture. You see where Jesus called people names. Yes, he did. He called the Pharisees, the teachers of religious law. You know what he called them? Whitewashed tombs. He called them serpents. My grandmother, I remember she used to see people sometimes say, oh, look at that. That's a snake if I ever seen one. Come on, we do it different in Gonzales. Jesus was different, man. Jesus was different because he was so life-giving. And the lives that have been impacted, this is what's so incredible about the life of Jesus. His difference is still being felt generation after generation, person after person, day after day. Jesus is still making a difference in people's lives. And at some point, we can't just say, I'm going to try Jesus. We got to say, I'm going to trust Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to trust him. Here's the second point I want to make today. Not only is Jesus different, but Jesus came to make me different. Jesus came to make me different. So like I said earlier, he didn't come to give you a makeover. That's religion. 
He came so that you could be made new. Now, I want to break this down for a second. Because a lot of times when people get saved, the, one of the biggest reasons we get saved is because we're sorry for our sins. Right? Yeah. We're sorry for our sins. And, and, and so much of it is how the sins have made us feel. And so when we get saved, Jesus, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me for my sins? Come on, we pray that prayer. Am I right? But it's not just saying, I'm sorry, because it's not just how you feel. And sometimes people get saved, but they're still the same. Because sorry doesn't change you. And, and I got I to gotta hit this, because the, the belief that if I'm sorry, God forgives, and everything in my life changes, we're missing a piece of it. And this is important because traditionally, when we begin to think of salvation, some of you right now are like, preacher, you better be careful how you're saying this. And I know, but I got I to gotta say all of salvation and not just the part that we're the most familiar with. It's not just I'm sorry, but it's also being set free. Salvation, like think of this. If you got saved from danger, but you're still in danger and you're still walking in danger, are you really saved? Or are you just sorry that you wound up in that spot? Uh, and i got to break this down because the, we, we've, we've, also, we've almost manufactured a salvation that isn't producing change. It's just saying, I'm sorry. But the cycles keep going over and over and over. And so even though I got saved... I'm saved so that y'all know I'm saved because now I could be in the club, but I'm still struggling with all the stuff I've always struggled with and it's never changed. And so now we're eliminating salvation of the power of God and putting it on the strength of a person. And we just don't have the kind of willpower to break those chains. Only the power of God in the blood of Jesus can break those chains, y'all. That, that's why I felt so passionate about sharing this message because week after week, people will lift a hand and say, I want to give my life to the Lord. And so they'll get saved, but nothing changes in their lives. And it's because they were sorry and you pray the prayer and it does make you feel better. Am I right? I mean, I feel a million times better. But if things don't change, then I'm just cycling feelings over and over. I feel bad because I messed up, and now i got to pray about it again. God, come into my life. Forgive me all my sins. Give me a fresh start in Jesus' name. I am saved. Okay, I feel better about it. But then I cycle back to the same things all over again. And I'm trying to act spiritual in front of y'all because I don't want you to think that something's wrong with me. I don't want you to think that I hadn't reached that mark yet. And so I'm going to put on a show to make you believe that I'm really spiritually all together when really I'm just struggling, man. Just struggling. And I want you to know the salvation that Jesus brings, it breaks chains and it sets captives free. If it's really salvation, we're going to be saved from it. Amen? We're going to be saved from it. But if it's not salvation, we just struggle with it. And so what if, just let me present it, what if we have just created a good religious cycle that looks good but changes no one? 
No wonder people get frustrated in church. No wonder people get frustrated with God whenever we're trying to manufacture a system of change that really is dependent completely on the power of God and not just the goodness of man. Come on, are we, are we going somewhere with this today? So watch this. Salvation isn't just I'm sorry, but salvation is being set free. So I saw a video that I wanted to share with you. Hey, no volume on the video, because I, I want to narrate it as we, as we go. Seriously, I want to narrate it as we go. Go ahead and pop that video up on the screen if we got that. So watch this. The ball fell, and they're trying to save it. Some of y'all saw this video, okay? Now watch this. Isn't this incredible? This is us trying to work it out. And watch, they're celebrating... How many of y'all know that feeling? <laughs> there, look, look, there are people that go to church on Sunday, spiritual moments like this. And that's the car ride to the restaurant right there. Am I right? Oh, we had it. Oh, we had it. We had it. We were so close to the restaurant. Our family was happy. We were so happy. And just as we were getting out the car, as soon as we opened the door, happiness went right back where it was, and here we are again. I don't even know why we went to church today. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, none of y'all have ever said that. Maybe on the way to church. I don't know why you're going to church today. <laughs> Come on, you're getting something out of this today. I love it with salvation because there is a celebration. Just like those guys, man, jumping around. Man, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. But what about sustaining it? See, I don't think God just came to make us feel better about it for a moment. I think He came to change us. So that we can experience peace and joy, all those things for a lifetime, for eternity. See, religion, this is the tendency of religion. It takes the same person and just gives them different rules. Just follow with me. But it always yields the same results. Always. Different rules, same results. So when Jesus says to repent, it's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's a change of action. Jesus takes that person. And if we're going to call it born again, because that's what it is. What about the old you? Because in order to be born again, the old you has to go. And this is the part where we struggle with the same. Because there are parts of us that we will say, okay, Lord, all of that is over. But there are some other things that we hold on to. It's amazing how all the things that hurt us, we want that to go. Right? 
All of the things that hurt us and the things that people did that hurt us, we want all of that to go. But what about the things that we do ourselves that's hurting ourselves? So like, watch this. Jesus saved me from my sins and all of that stuff that just makes me feel guilty and overwhelmed. But don't mess with my attitude. Because that's the way I deal with all these people. Jesus, you can go ahead and change everything. And it's almost like we, 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 we take this boundary thing so far that it's like, Jesus, you can work on all that, but not this. You can work on everything, but don't mess with my worry because I don't know what else to do when I don't know where my kids are and what they're doing. And so I need worry. Don't convict me about that. Don't mess with me about that. Worry is how I work. Come on. Like, this is, this is what I'm talking about because sometimes we think this is like the gross sin stuff. And listen, there, chances are in a room like this, there's probably somebody involved in some gross sin. You know what I'm saying? The big stuff that makes the headlines. But what about the stuff that doesn't make the headlines, that's piling up in your heart right now? The compromises that you're using and justifying according to the little structure that you put together and the image of Jesus that you made to fit around the structure that you put together to justify all the things that you like it done that way so that it can fit the context of how you want this Jesus thing to work and expect God to give you all of the feels, all of the new life, all of the hope, all of the joy. And God's like, listen, I got joy stacked up right here waiting for you. But it just don't fit in that container. Like, think of that, y'all. Like, this, this is why I say this is different. And I don't know if we really, really want different. Because when we put it in this context, that's life-changing, Pastor Wade. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Because if we really want our lives changed, it's not just these categories. Like a lot of people, they will come to Jesus to get saved to keep their family together. Well, chances are your family isn't coming together. It's not because of your marriage. It's because of you. And I know that sounds so pointed, but guys, listen, we can't just keep putting sugar on top of everything and spoon feeding people and think we're not going to get cavities. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just trying to keep it real. What are the things that we're holding on to that Jesus is trying to change is what I'm asking. What are the things that have piled up in your life that has just become like, like that, that area of clutter in your house is just the norm now? Like you don't even see it anymore. People come over and they see it, but you don't see it because it's just been there for 15 years. You know what I'm saying? And the Lord's like, you keep saying you want the house cleaned. So I'm here to clean the house. And you're like, you can clean everything but that. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. That's my mess to clean up. And some of y'all like, mm-hmm, he needs to clean the garage. I know, my garage needs to be clean. But don't try to clean it for me. Because I won't find anything. Think of it like this with salvation, okay? Yes, we're sorry. That's a part of salvation. God, I'm sorry for what I've done. But there's more to it. There's also surrender. 
I'm sorry, Lord. I surrender my life to you. And because I've surrendered to you, I can be set free. But if there is no surrender, there can't be no set free. Because it's like, nope, I got this. I'm sorry, but I got this. When you surrender, God, you're my only choice. So he sets you free. I've heard people say this, I will never change. You can take the boy out the bayou, but you can't take the bayou out the boy. And that's a lie. I'll always be like, that's just how our family is. Am I knocking on the right door this morning? It's just how we are. It's just what our family does. I got a different message. Jesus came to make a difference. Jesus came to make a difference in our lives. You don't have to live with that shame anymore. You don't have to hold that grudge anymore. You don't have to use that language anymore. You don't have to keep confessing that we're in a generational curse anymore. That's just what our family does. We always divorce. That's just what happens in our family. Jesus came to make a difference in our lives. If if not, if we don't believe that, then we're saying the blood of Jesus wasn't enough to cover all of our sins. It was only enough to cover some sins and the rest of us, we just got to fake it till we make it. Jesus came to make a difference. You don't have to keep beating yourself up. Jesus is here for you. And now that he's here, everything is different. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How will you respond to this? How will you respond? Some of us, because this has brought an awareness of the need for change, some of us are going to try to change ourselves. So you're already game planning in your mind. Okay, okay, yes. Pastor Wade, you're right. I got to make a change. I got to make a change. So I'm going to talk to, I'm going to talk to my wife differently this week. I'm going to talk to my kids differently. And, and I'm going to have a better attitude. And you just start making this long list right now. I feel it all over the room. Just making the list, the checklist. Okay, okay. Okay. I'm not going to blow up on the kids when we're getting ready for school. I know I've been doing that. That's a generational curse. My mama did it to me. Her mama did it to her. Do you see what we do? Start creating a system and a structure. And I'm not saying those disciplinary things aren't necessary, but I'm saying if you start from that, you're going to struggle with that. Because Jesus, listen, God gave them the Ten Commandments and they broke every one of them. You would think he was pretty clear about the thou shalt not murder thing. They still killed people. Thou shalt not lie. They all lied. Think about it. The checklist was there, and they couldn't even follow their own checklist. It wasn't until Jesus came and gave his life and shed his blood that brought freedom to the captives. And so the spiritual transformation that he brought in their lives, it didn't just change their opinion and their religious ideas. It changed their lives. And this is the salvation that we're talking about. So how are you going to respond? Just say, I'm sorry. Or will you reach the point where you say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you all of it, not just this part, not just the, the addiction part, not just the anger part, not just the stress part, but all of it. Even my best stuff, I surrender it to you. You can be saved.
You can be made whole. You can change. You can get past that event. Come on. You can. You can overcome those challenges. You can overcome them. And you say, Pastor Wade, how do you know? Jesus makes a difference in our lives. He's not an add-on. He is a life changer. He's not just somebody that we want to tag along with, but he is the one who comes and takes over and changes us completely, all of our lives. And the question I got to ask you today is, will you allow Jesus to make a difference in you? Will you allow him to make a difference in you? And not just with a religious response, but an open heart that says, God, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've always needed. And listen, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying you haven't surrendered everything. What is it that you need to surrender today to him? And this is how I want to do this. If there's something in your life you need to surrender to him, or you saying, Pastor Wade, I'm surrendering all of my life to him. It don't matter if you're a veteran in the church or if you're a rookie newcomer and never even heard of this, but you know, I need to surrender to him. I want you to stand to your feet right now if that's you. I'm surrendering to you, Jesus. I'm tired of normal. I'm tired of the cycle of the same. I'm tired of being stuck with that temper, acting always like that been going to church for years and still losing my mind over the same things still worrying still fearful still drinking like that knowing I shouldn't because it always triggers this other stuff and I know I know I can't do that anymore it's surrender and I would tell you tell the Lord I surrender this to you But really, he says, surrender all to me. Surrender all. And I want want you to have your altar call moment right here. Altar means to change. And you have this moment where you just let the Lord know it's all yours. All of my life. Even that part and that part and this part and that part, all of it, all of it. Even the good stuff that I feel like is going really, really well for me, surrendering that to you as well. Just tell him right now, under your breath, I'm surrendering it all to you today. For some of us, anxiety has become our cycle of coping. And we learned how to be anxious. Jesus makes a difference, man. You can still have peace even though you don't know what in the world's going to happen. I want to do this. Yesterday when I was praying about this, I felt like this was a step we needed to take. This This is what some would consider the old school altar call. And it's high risk for the preacher because if no one responds, it looks like it didn't work. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been in those services. They did the call for salvation and no one went and everybody's looking out the side of their eye, waiting to see who's going to go. But there's, there's people in here today that have never surrendered their life to Jesus. You may have been a part of a religious system, but you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus. And I'm 
man, it's old school. I'm going to invite you to come and join me up here at the front, if that's you. And I'm going to pray with you today to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Come on. You say in front of everybody, I know, man. I know. I know. I know. It takes faith, man. It takes faith. Come on. Surrendering my life to Jesus. Not just Jesus, get me out of my mess. I'm giving my life to Jesus today. All of my life. Every part of my life. I'm surrendering it to Him. Come on, I'm not just trying to be religious. I'm surrendering my life. I'm surrendering the way I act. I'm surrendering my behavior. I'm surrendering my reactions. The gospel still works, my friends. The preaching of the gospel still works. For those of you who are down here, I want to lead you in this prayer. You've heard it before, but today it just means more. I want you to say this. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for going to the cross and taking the place and paying the price for the sins that I committed. Today I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I surrender my life to you now. Come on, mean that with all your heart. I surrender my life to you now. I am all yours. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior and to change my life. I declare today, you're my Lord and Savior. I believe it. I confess it. And I will live my life your way. Saved, surrendered, set free. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Saved, set free. Saved, set free. Jesus, make a difference in us. Come on, everyone stand to their feet this morning. Jesus, we need you to make the difference in us. The efforts we're putting will be to trust you. trust you, Father. We trust you. We trust that the blood of Jesus was enough to atone for all of our sins, even the bad ones. We trust that the cross was the final word, that sin will no longer have us bound, but we can be free, that the resurrection guarantees new life in you. And today, I declare that over every person here, new life, new life, The old is gone. The new has come. In Jesus' name, new life. Amen. Different, part one. That was different. It was different.
But it was good. <laughs>